This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. Harishikesh Herway has a podcast called Song Exploder. The concept is simple, but brilliant. I ask musicians to take apart one of their songs and go through it piece by piece and let listeners hear what's going on inside some of the tracks and reveal the secrets of what went into making the song, whether it's some of the sounds inside of it or just the memories of what they were going through when they were creating the song. I don't think Rishi would mind me saying, but it's kind of a design show about music. A 99% invisible for songs. On the very first episode of Song Exploder, Rishi interviewed Jimmy Tamborello of the band The Postal Service and invited him to take a deep dive into each individual element of the song. The District Sleeps Alone Tonight. It's the song that's playing behind me now. If you don't already own the Lone Postal Service album, you've made some poor choices in life. I'm serious. Anyway, this is Jimmy Temporello isolating the backing vocal track sung by Jenny Lewis. So here's some of Jenny's background vocals soloed out. I am a visitor here. I am not permanent. So Tamborello was looking to add more texture to the final mix of the song, and he had these beautiful backing vocals. It might have been just an accident with a delay pedal, but I looped a little bit of Jenny's vocals and made it into a texture in the song. That was one of the last things that we put into that into District. You can play that part by itself. This vocal loop comes in after the second verse when it's kind of going into the the more dancey outro part. Here's Harushike Shoraway from Song Exploder again. I'd heard that song, The District Sleeps Alone Tonight, I mean, so many times since it came out in 2003. And I knew that part and I knew that sound. I had no idea that that was a human voice making that sound until he took everything away. And that was the first episode. That was sort of like the, the pilot before the show was called Song Exploder, before, when I was still sort of figuring it out. And when Jimmy played that part, I was like, oh, this is it. This is the, this is the reason why I want to do this show. And a radio show was born. Or podcast, whatever. As opposed to like a magic trick where the intention is to fool the audience into thinking that they're experiencing something that they aren't. If you're learning all the secrets of a song, the idea is still to just create a musical experience for you that you enjoy. And I feel like once you know more about it, then you can have a richer enjoyment of it. Or at least that's how it is for me. So say we all. Today we're going to feature a recent episode of Song Exploder, all about the theme song to the Netflix original series, House of Cards. This is one of my favorite episodes because it reveals so much about all the thought that goes into making a theme song to a TV show. 
Hirishi spoke to the composer Jeff Beal in his home in Los Angeles, and he described his collaboration with the series' executive producers David Fincher and Bo Willimon, how they established the tone and musical palette of the show, and how the music theme changed from season one to season two, which I didn't even notice. But sure enough, go back, it's totally different. You're currently hearing the season one version. By the way, there's House of Cards season one spoilers ahead, so you've been warned. Here is composer Jeff Beal talking to Hershkesh Hurway on Song Exploder. I'm Jeff Beal, composer. I do the music for House of Cards. I had worked with David Fincher on a commercial probably about six or seven years ago. And this was around the time I had been working on Rome, a series for HBO. So I saw in the trades, you know, this show was happening with David's name attached and I'd kept in touch and we'd never worked together since. And I thought this might be a good, good match for us, you know. I'd watched a little bit of the British show and that was, I think that was part of my pitch to David is because I, I sort of used the Rome thing. And I said, well, I said, you know, even though Rome was a period drama, it was very much about politics and sort of operatic scale cast and storytelling. After I first met with David to sort of talk about the project and got his initial thoughts about music and we sort of put our heads together, based on his sort of way of thinking about music and how much music informs his choices, he actually asked me to write some sketches before he started shooting. And of course, before we had the meeting and before I wrote these sketches, they shared with me, I think, about four or five scripts, early drafts of what became season one. So it was very much Bo's, Bo's sense of language and the way he sort of created this world that inspired some of the early, early work. The thing that I liked about the British show is this sort of dark humor to it. And I said, yeah, the, the music's definitely going to have to find a way to sort of give the audience permission to sort of laugh at the sardonic darkness. Of course, once he called me in, you know, he gave me some of his thoughts on it, which were interesting and, and some of them surprising to me. There was one song he really liked, the Super Tramp Crime of the Century. great song and a section of that song towards the end where it just becomes a sort of driving piece it had this sense of sort of operatic sort of classicism and and um sort of gravitas but but it also had a very gritty earthy and almost jazzy or bluesy kind of instrumentation or rock and roll as we dissected that together and sort of thought about why that spoke to him. That's the show. The show is, it's all about the underbelly of Washington, the dark corners, what you don't see and what really happens, as opposed to sort of the West Wing, you know, heroic, more aspirational, the sort of hail to the chief, you know, Washington, your typical sort of film score, gestures about the capital and politics. I wrote about four sketches for David. One of the things we talked about in our first meeting, he was he said, was we kind of need a call to arms. And when 
when you listen to it, it has a lot of the elements that became the main title theme. It's got that bass line. It's got that sort of cloud of dark electronics that sort of precede it like a, like a fog or something. And the tune is there, although in this case it was just played by the piano, very simple orchestration. And then this, and the second time it goes around, the snare drum comes in. Very simple, but there's a tune in there. There's a little sequence of, of chords and melody. Part of the reason sketching is useful is because it's like the bones of something. If the structure of the skeleton is, has integrity, it should be able to stand without an abundance of sort of instrumental embellishment. And so by sketching and by doing simple versions of themes, you are able to sort of make sure that you have an idea. <laughs> I always thought of this as sort of the puppet master theme, the idea that like, Kevin Spacey's character is just this sort of manipulator who's a virtuoso at pulling the strings on people and getting them to do what he wants them to do. But the reason I'm sharing this one in the context of the main title is when we got around to finally doing the arrangement, David said it would be cool if the main title felt like this sort of stew of a lot of different elements from the score, which would then be de deconstructed into its individual parts. So you'll hear this sort of descending chromatic line on the high piano that became one of the signatures of the main title sequence. As the sketch grows, the electric bass comes in. So it's this sort of minimalist piano motif, but by putting that bass under it, it sort of gave it a, a tension of something that's pushing against it. David and I talked about the piano a little bit because that was in the Supertramp queue and it's an instrument I like a lot and it felt like a good instrument for Kevin's character because it can be very precise and very sort of mechanical in a way, which I love about it. The sort of call to arms things, that was dropped into the main title sequence and it never left. Once it was in there, that was what we were going to do and I started, um, you know, a few passes through, I started to work on the arrangement. The story of the main title sequence is visually lyrical and flowing, but there, I remember this came straight from sort of Bo's original scripting of the main title. It's basically the whole idea of the sun going down in Washington. You know, you start in, in really broad daylight, and as the sequence progresses, you end up in night. So, you, so there was a way in which you went from something very open and, and airy and light to like the darkness falling, you know. So that was, that was a little bit of a visual storytelling thing I tried to play off of. The first thing we hear is the fog, the fog of <laughs> the cloud of doom. It's just a sort of low synth drone. Shortly after that comes the bass line. Which I know David affectionately re referred to as the riptide. I always like that description. It's kind of like the idea of something that pulls you under, you know. Basically, it's a combination of, of several things. It's analogy. Um, modeled synth things that I've designed. Some of them I've had for a long time. Uh, there's a couple different of those bass samples mixed together, but I also recorded a live bass player playing the, playing the part. Uh, it's actually my son, Henry, who is a wonderful young musician. He's actually now studying jazz bass. The bass line was so important and the orchestration was getting big enough, I actually recorded the bass an octave above. It gives it enough mid-rate content so that when all this other stuff is happening, that bass is still driving. One of the fun things about the composition for me was that the harmony changes a lot over that bass line. In fact, bass is always playing an A minor, but the harmony sometimes goes to A major. And it creates this very strange dissonance 
in the sense of collision. It's basically a wrong note, you know? It's like the bass player's playing the wrong note, but it doesn't sound like a wrong note because it's ingrained, it's got its own logic to it. It's almost like Frank will push through anything, he doesn't care, he's not gonna stop playing those notes. My original sort of call to arms sketch, two times through, which is kind of the original demo, was almost long enough to cover the main title sequence, but we needed some more time. And I also had this direction from David to sort of work in another theme. So what I did was I kind of extended the intro. I added a lot of percussion, but I also added the little Pupper Master riff, the da 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 you know, that thing. It has a slightly different cadence because this is in 4-4 and the Pupper Master theme was always in 3. Phrases are broken up a little bit, but it's sort of, it's still got that descending chromatic line. Another layer that was sort of one of the last things I came up with, but was really useful was the trumpet. I'm a trumpet player, and again, it's the most expected cliche thing you'd hear in a show about Washington would be that sort of military trumpet kind of thing. Because we're seeing the sort of iconic shots of Washington, it just felt right to have something that references that icon, because obviously the rest of the composition is telling you that this isn't the heroic version of the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument. And there's a way in which it's sort of lonely to me, too. I like the sort of loneliness of it. One of the things David visually did was to pull out a lot of the people in some of the time-lapse shots he has. It was much creepier seeing some of those shots with no people in them. It just made it feel like it was a ghost town or it was, had this sort of surreal quality to it. So basically in talking to David Fincher about the second season, I was just sort of surprising to me, but I think we were spotting the first couple episodes. He sort of started giving notes on the main title about what he wanted different. You know, David saw the second season as even more operatic and darker too, which was shocking to me because the first season was pretty dark. But you know who everybody is. You've seen who, who Frank is and what he can do. You know, he's killed somebody in the first season. I mean, it's obviously very, nothing's going to get in the way of what this guy wants to do. In general, for main titles, you know, people get attached, especially when they like something. So I was very careful, you know, to like steer the ship enough, but not so far as to make it feel like your old friend was not your old friend anymore. So I added some voices, some voice samples to a lot of it. I also added some, some low strings to the intro. The high string line that used to be da 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 you know, sort of puppet master theme, we just do that in the, in the celli. So again, it's lower, everything's sort of skewing down, skewing darker so that it feels like this cloud has sort of come over the whole thing. The sort of lightness and sense of that type of energy is dissipated. You know, he's no longer the puppet master. He's already the vice president in season two. We know he's, he's very much in command. So there's less of a game going on and much more of a... It's, it's like the ascent to the throne. You know, I think so many networks or even filmmakers are afraid of a real main title sequence. It's sort of an old-fashioned idea, but the whole idea of a, of a little mini film that settles you into a world and gets you ready to experience something is a wonderful sort of a storytelling device. You know, it sort of frames a moment for you and gets you settled into what you're about to take in. And now here's the season two version of the main title theme to House of Cards. 
That was Song Exploder on 99% Invisible. It was produced by Hirishikesh Herway, who is also the driving force behind the band The 1AM Radio, who is playing behind me right now. Song Exploder is part of the Maximum Fun Network with shows like The Memory Palace, Bullseye with Jesse Thorne, Judge John Hodgman, My Brother, My Brother and Me, all kinds of good stuff. I have been a listener and monthly donor for years. You will find a show you love at MaximumFun.org. 99% Invisible is Sam Greenspan, Katie Mingle, Avery Truffleman, and me, Roman Mars. We are a project of 91.7 Local Public Radio, KALW, in San Francisco, and produced out of the offices of ArcSign, a collaboration-minded architecture firm in collaboration-minded Oakland, California. 99% Invisible is made possible by our ruthless and lovable listeners, and by Igloo. Igloo is an internet you'll actually like, making it easier to communicate and collaborate with your teams at work. It's built with easy-to-use apps like blogs, calendars, file-sharing, forums, microblogs, task management, and wikis. Plus, Igloo works on your laptop, tablet, or phone. Get started with one of Igloo's templates free to use with up to 10 people. Go to igloosoftware.com slash 99. And by Hover, the best way to buy and manage domain names. So Hirishi had the idea for Song Exploder years ago, years before he actually acted on it. So he's lucky that songexploder.net was available because songexploder.com was not. So he's just going to have to live with that forever. So if you have an idea, get on it. Go to hover.com, stake your claim on your future greatness. It is yours. You just need to grab it. Get started at hover.com and use the coupon code EXPLODER and I'll help you save 10%. And finally, as always, we are supported by Tiny Letter. Email for people with something to say. My boy, Carver always has something to say. What do you guys say, Carver? How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? I don't know. Ten tickles. Tinyletter.com. It's free, easy, minimal, and powerful. The simplest way to send an email newsletter from the great people behind MailChimp. We are a founding member of Radiotopia from PRX. If you want to support this show and other programs in Radiotopia, and why wouldn't you? You're great. We're great. Let's be great together. Email support at prx.org. You can keep up with this show and all the people who make this show on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. We are very interesting in all of those places. But our home on the web is 99pi.org. Radiotopia. From PR.